This is TechSnap, episode 394. Welcome to TechSnap, Jupiter Broadcasting's systems, network, and administration podcast. My name is Wes. Behind the scenes, Jim and I are hard at work on the next episode of TechSnap. But don't worry, in the meantime, we've got a special guest interview. While reflecting on 2018, one thing that stood out, Microsoft had a big year. Now, we covered a lot of that on many of the other fine Jupiter Broadcasting programs, things like their acquisition of GitHub and their continued release and support of open source projects. One thing we didn't talk much about is their cloud platform, Microsoft's Azure. I thought today would be a good chance to play some catch-up, so we've invited on a special guest to tell us a little more about what happened in 2018 and where Azure's headed in 2019. I'm very pleased to be joined by Chad Crowell, a training architect at Linux Academy and today our resident Azure expert. Welcome to the show, Chad. Hey, Wes. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Now, before we get started, I thought maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your background. I know uh, Azure, the cloud, none of this is your first time around, is it? Yeah, no, I started my career as a Windows administrator. So I come from uh, the the world of Active Directory and domains and managing users and groups for a small company. I then moved on to uh, contracting and I would be doing the same thing, but on a bigger scale. Uh, as of the, maybe the past three or four years, I've been working as a DevOps engineer and working with cloud technologies, which brings me uh, to today. Excellent. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm sure that's a common story, you know, as as people are able to shift and move or explore hybrid options, well, you just need people to to learn the new technologies. And that's kind of why we're we're having you here today. I've been looking back at 2018. One thing that really stood out to me was that well, in many areas, Microsoft had something of a banner year, and part of that story was continued investment in Azure. And whether that's you know a whole bunch of new product releases, some refinements of their availability story, or just you know the story of Linux continuing and to grow and now sort of dominating the deployed VMs out there, it's been something I think that we need to follow. And 2019 is going to be a bigger year, so that's why we're very glad to have you on today. And I'm kind of curious. Looking back on 2018, what did you, what do you think stood out about Azure's progress? Yeah, I mean, there certainly is a lot of uh, investment in Azure. There's been a lot of updates related to the Azure portal, Azure capabilities, the services, and items that are offered by Azure and and Microsoft in general. Really, the the cloud is Linux, and that's one thing that is going to remain the same. And we've we've seen this, and you alluded to it earlier. You know, Microsoft is starting to embrace Linux and become more open source. And honestly, we saw just that. And my colleagues and myself were at the Ignite conference in September, and boy, did they have a lot of announcements, and a lot of them were Linux. We had Azure Sphere, which is the Linux operating system for the uh, IoT devices. We had Azure Stack, Azure DevOps, Digital Twins. You know, PowerShell runs on on Linux now. So there's a lot of 
embracing of Linux, a lot of embracing of open source. Obviously, Microsoft purchased GitHub and kind of uh, integrating the uh, the tool set into uh, what they previously called the uh, Visual Studio Team Services and starting to do CI/CD. So much stuff. We could go on for days. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing that kind of stood out to me, I noticed that they shipped some new uh, some new PowerShell modules back in October, sort of replacing ones that were previously based on regular PowerShell, and the new ones are targeting PowerShell Core, which is exactly that open source core that you know you can even use as your main shell on Linux. Yeah, and they have something called Cloud Shell as well that kind of integrates those those features and there's honestly not a lot you can do with PowerShell core that you can't do in cloud shell, uh, which is, which is pretty amazing being that cloud shell is a, you know, browser based, uh, instance of, of PowerShell that runs as a container actually. And you can use that in combination with the Azure CLI or, um, just, just use PowerShell and they've kind of reformatted the, the structure of commands in PowerShell. So, a lot has changed in that front. I think it lends itself to the uh, development and changes into the Azure infrastructure as they start using more and more, you know, IoT devices and, and devices that are connected to the internet. So it makes sense. Okay, so let me get this straight. You can they'll spin up a container on their platform with a shell in it, display it to you over the web. And again, this is not Microsoft of old. This is not a weird janky ActiveX control. This is you know standard HTML5 features. And then you just have all the access to the whole CLI, whatever tools you need to to further work on your infrastructure. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. All in a in a web browser, and you're already logged into your Azure portal account. You can manage your existing infrastructure in Azure, or even your on-premise infrastructure. So it's, it comes in handy, and it's also available for both the desktop and on your mobile devices. So that's convenient as well. Okay. So it sounds like. And, and I'll be honest here, I, I definitely have a bit of a Linux bias. Sure, I started off doing Windows administration, but I've since moved. And, you know, my home turf is now Linux and, and Unix-like operating systems. But I'll always have that soft spot, that memory of using Windows tools. And a lot of those tools work really well. And it sounds like you've already answered the question I was going to ask you, which is, if I'm a Linux user, if I don't have a single Windows machine either on my on my domain, at my employer, or just for my home personal projects or small business use case, is Azure still a good fit for me? Yeah, like I said before, you know, the cloud is Linux. You know, Linux uh, is so popular, and, and Microsoft is starting to embrace Linux more and more every day because it operates best as far as communicating in a cloud-like uh, atmosphere, if you will. It's better for security reasons. It's better for the open source aspects of it. And it's going to only increase in popularity and use from Microsoft. So it's available in Azure just as much as any other cloud platform, if not more, uh, being that you know Microsoft is starting to embrace and kind of nudge you in that direction. Uh, moving on, then, what if I'm, you know, what if I am managing some sort of multiple operating system? I do have some some. Windows clients, maybe I used to manage my own Active Directory and I don't really want to do that, or I still have you know some Exchange stuff left over on the network. What's the story? How well does it work multi-platform? It really comes down to the authentication between those two platforms. And 
uh, a little bit of what I talk about in my course is Azure Active Directory and this kind of seamless operation from your on-premise Active Directory environment to Azure Cloud and allowing those to interact simultaneously, whether they're brand new systems or maybe some of those legacy platforms as well. So they are definitely taking into account some of those previous customers, you know, as you can imagine, uh, if you've been a Windows customer for, you know, a few decades, uh, you've started to accumulate some of those, you know, maybe some, maybe you have some of those uh, Windows 2003 servers still rolling around, hopefully not, but yeah, uh, the Azure Active Directory makes it much easier to, to manage those legacy systems as well. You know that that sounds sounds pretty nice. That's um, if I can make some you know REST calls instead of having to manage on-premises infrastructure and still get some of the same features. I think in 2019, now that it's 2019, I think that's what I would prefer. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's essentially what the Azure portal is. It's a bunch of API calls, and because of it, you're able to use the Azure portal, the same as you would use PowerShell or the Azure CLI or, you know, the API interface as it's at its bare bones. So finding that common interface, you know, obviously the uh, Active Directory and the authentication part of it is uh, kind of a bonus, but uh, it's really making it easier for people to uh, access the kind of cloud infrastructure being that it is kind of a pay-as-you-go service, easy to get you know, started and up and running, and uh, makes it really intriguing for a lot of uh, small businesses as well as large enterprises. Yeah, that was kind of going to be my next question. That's changing now. But for a long time, AWS was just sort of the default, right? Uh, there was probably already some, your CTO already went out to lunch with someone from them. That's the direction the company's going by default. If you're a concerned engineer somewhere in the in the lower decks, besides some of that Active Directory stuff we just talked about, what else about Azure makes it, you know, a, a better pitch, better deals, uh, different takes on services, or just um, smooth integrations between all those things? Yeah, a- AWS is certainly the eight thousand pound gorilla in the room, and it's hard to be in the shadows as Azure is with you know building infrastructure in the cloud and moving one services to the cloud. However, Microsoft and and Azure have really capitalized on a couple of things. The first thing is the security aspects of storing your data in Azure versus AWS. They've really taken an importance through working with government contracts and working to consolidate some of the regions into, you know, government only regions. And then they've also kind of perfected this hybrid model, you know, the fact that you could have your infrastructure in the cloud, but you could also have your infrastructure on premise in inside of your building or you could have your infrastructure on a shipping container in the middle of the ocean. Or you could be in the middle of a windmill farm and you could be managing your data from there. So they've they've really capitalized on those two things and and really nudged the the market in their direction, along with a lot of the changes and services that they're adding up until this day, 
I think 2018 proves as a good launching point to help them catch up with AWS. One thing we covered on, on TechStamp was their uh, interesting exploration of that underwater data center. Now, I don't know when if that is really going to be in production anytime soon, but you can tell that there there's a lot of innovation happening behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely. With Azure Stack, they introduced Azure Stack and what was one of the big announcements at Ignite this year, this past year. And they talked about having all the tools that are within your existing Azure deployment and all of the services that are available and such, but taking it offline and having it be kind of managing your infrastructure with Azure tools, but offline, not connected to the internet. You know, like I said, in the middle of the ocean on a shipping container or in the middle of a field and in, uh, in, in wherever, um, in the middle of nowhere, you, you could really take this wherever you want. And that's kind of the kind of one of the things that they're capitalizing on. Right. You get the same APIs to target. It's just like working with, with an Azure stack in the cloud like you normally would, but you, you don't have to rely on that. They'll, they'll get it all set up for you. I assume you work sort of behind the scenes with Microsoft and they'll help you target whatever your you know actual application is and go set everything up and set the stack up. Right. Yeah, that's funny. They at Ignite this year they had this huge kind of like monster truck that they were demoing for this Azure <laughs> Stack demonstration. And they had this monster truck, yeah, that they had a video of this monster truck going out into the desert or wherever. And they had this, you know, dramatic scene where they zoomed in on the the guy on a laptop. They open up the back of the monster truck and there's a whole kind of data center in the back of this truck. And they said, you know, manage your infrastructure from anywhere, and even if you're in the middle of the desert. So that was kind of interesting and slash dramatic slash uh, uh, very kind of a statement. You know, they're making a statement, certainly, with that. You know, I can see the value in that. More, You know, as, as hardware becomes more and more commodified and even the operation of that hardware, if, you, if you're already buying into the cloud proposition, why not let them use their expertise to manage other hardware for you? Right. Another release in 2018 that caught my eye while we're talking about their hybrid strategy was Azure File Sync. Could you tell us more about it? Yeah, so basically Azure File Sync, which I cover in my course that was just launched, uh, allows you to uh, have a cached copy on your on your local hard disk. And it could be useful if your internet connection is poor, if you have a number of frequently accessed files. Yeah, it seems like another approach by Microsoft to help sell the hybrid story so that you don't have to choose between, you know, still having that file, that file server that runs locally. Maybe you have latency guarantees. Maybe you have clients that really just need that data to be close to home or it's a particularly large data set. But you also don't necessarily want to have to manage complicated outside access from vendors or other VPN type environments. So with FileSync, you could replicate the stuff on your on-premise server up to an Azure file share and then also access it that way. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah, it definitely makes sense for people that have poor connections, you know, thinking of people in remote areas, uh, parts of the country that don't have, you know, the uh, a fiber backbone or don't have the uh, the connection speeds that you'll see uh, some uh, countries or, or some locations have. So it's really um, useful to, to, to use the, you know, file sync agent, and file sync groups use those in, in correspondence with you know any anything that you might want to store locally. You want to have immediate access to. It's really 
a good tool for for those types of uh, situations. All right. I, I just have to ask this because it's sort of one of the elephants in the room here. And, well, the last part of 2018, there were a couple of uh, somewhat high-profile outages over, over in Azure. And I just wanted to pick your brain about what you thought. Did that really matter? Is this just maturing and growing pains? Or is it a sign that there, there are some troubles with the architecture underneath? Well, I can speak from a valid, you know, kind of third-party perspective here. And I don't work for Microsoft, so I don't have to, you know, say some kind of PR speech. <laughs> right. But, um, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. I think they're going through some growing pains, having been through all of these changes throughout the year, adding regions on a monthly basis. And a lot of times when you do that, you're not really accustomed to some of the issues that might occur. Uh, you haven't gone through that. You don't. Ha- you haven't experienced that before. So I think it's, it's growing pains in that respect. But also, like I said, they're trying to catch up with AWS. They're kind of in the shadows of AWS. They're they're pushing the the gas pedal pretty hard. They're trying to catch up, and as a result, I think it costs them. You know that's that's understandable. They are playing a bit of the underdog role, and you you have to uh, to use that old Facebook expression: move fast and break things. Sometimes now, of course, you never want to break things, but moving fast that that just happens sometimes. Yeah, and the more recent outages, in particular, the one that was closest to me in San Antonio, Texas, it just was a you know one person having to decide between one or the other, and. Really, it should never come down to that when you're talking about the you know platform as large as it is and, and as large as Microsoft is. I mean, if you have to be ready for any and all kind of situations uh, environmentally, it was unique. However, I get I did get to kind of feature it in my course because it happened around that same time. Uh, so it, it allowed me to demonstrate some of the alerts that you can set up when you have a regional outage, you know, some some of the services that you can utilize to help you prevent, you know, along with, you know, keeping your infrastructure redundant, but also, you know, some of the proactive stuff that you can do to help alleviate some of those, you know, regional outages that that may come about in the future. You know, that is a great point. While the cloud might free you from having to worry about physical hardware or possibly even some of the OS-level concerns, well, there's still operations and management that has to be done. You still need monitoring. You still need to understand and, and watch your services and, and, and monitor for their health and make sure they're doing okay. One place, and you just mentioned it, one place that people might be able to use if they want to learn more how to do that specifically on Azure is the course that you've worked so hard in 2018 to create and launches now in 2019 on January 15th is Azure Infrastructure and Deployment. And of course, if people want to find out more, they can go over to Linux Academy. We'll have links and everything in the show notes. But maybe you could tell us a little bit more if if I take this course. And actually, I, I already I already kind of have. We get some behind-the-scenes access here at the TechSnap program, you see. But but what would I what would I learn? Yeah, so along with all of those changes we just discussed, Azure and Microsoft have also kind of reformatted their certification structure. So in September, when we were at Ignite and they made the ton of announcements that they made, they also told us about this restructuring of the certification 
program. Oh no, that's that sounds like a big change. Yeah, it was kind of a rip and replace, if you will. So they got rid of all of the existing exams. They said they'll be, you know, inactive by the end of the year. And they put in place a whole new kind of role-based certification program, which kind of models AWS. I don't want to draw too many similarities, but it's more based on the role that you would have in the industry or in the job that you have. Okay, so if I'm a like a Windows Active Directory manager versus a DevOps engineer, those would be different roles and, and would have different certifications. Is that right? Right. So you have this Microsoft Azure Infrastructure and Deployment course that I just released on Linux Academy, which goes along with the overall role, which is the Microsoft Certified Azure Administrator Certification Program, which has both the AZ-100 and the AZ-101, which in combination allows you to achieve that kind of role-based certification. That makes sense. And your course has basically all the information. So if I, if I need to learn about you know how to how to do hybrid cloud. Maybe I need to set up some sort of VPN between my on-premise data center and my new Azure infrastructure. Or if I just need to learn some of the fundamentals, right? Like maybe I've come from the AWS land, and well, I need to know and understand how do I do blob storage? How do I do file shares? How do I change access permissions and you know actually secure my network? You you've got that covered exactly. Yeah, you're selling it quite well. I I appreciate that. <laughs> You know, this is kind of the part one of two that will help you achieve the certified Azure administrator certification. And so this is the introduction into Azure. You know, a lot of people will be approaching this exam first if they're just getting introduced to Azure. You know, we have our Azure Concepts course on Linux Academy, which describes some of, some of the language that's used, some of the tools that are used, some of the uh, aspects of Azure that are different from AWS. So this Azure uh, AZ-100 exam is for those who want to get started building and deploying infrastructure in Azure. So we go over virtual machines. You know, how, do you, how do you create a virtual machine? How do you add a disk to it? How do you migrate a virtual machine from one region to another? We talk about virtual networks. You know, How do you set up a virtual network with multiple subnets? How do you create a peer-to-peer or a point-to-site or an express route? What are those things that have to deal with the virtual networks? We also talk about Azure Active Directory, as I just alluded to. Azure Active Directory is a huge component which has to do with uh, identities and authentication, you know, managing your users and groups. And then subscriptions and resources which cover basically the the over-encompassing or the overall permissions in Azure having to do with creating resources based on this kind of ARM model, which is kind of this resource model that Azure is following. And then, uh, last but not least, the uh, storage accounts. So how do you create a storage account? How do you secure this storage account so only you have access to your data? And that's just the, the very few things that, uh, at a high level, I cover in the AZ-100 course on Linux Academy and uh, very proud of it. I'm really excited that it's out now and I can start telling people about it and they can you know, start to uh, take it for themselves. That's great. You know, uh, it, it seems like a great resource. And, and hopefully our conversation today has convinced some people out there that, 
It might not be exactly the right solution, but in any case, Azure's worth a look, and I'm I'm glad that we have some diversity in the cloud landscape. Microsoft's made a lot of changes. They've obviously pivoted to understanding Linux and open source, and it looks like 2019 is going to be a big year for them. Maybe we can have you back on the TechSnap program in 2019 to chat more about that. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining and sharing your wisdom today. Is there anywhere else you want to send people? Yeah, thanks for having me, Wes. It was a pleasure. I encourage you to go over to Linux Academy. We have not only my course, the AZ100, but a few other courses as well that pertain to the 200 level as well as the 300 level exams. And my Twitter handle is Chad M as in Michael Kroll. And you can always find me in the Linux Academy community. Please feel free to reach out. We're full-time instructors, so we really care for our students and and uh, interact with them on a daily basis. So it's really a it's really a unique thing that we offer and uh, gives me great pleasure to to be a part of everyone's learning journey. That is fantastic. Thank you again and happy new year. Thanks again to Chad for joining us and telling us a little bit more about Azure. You can find a link to his new course and links to everything else we've talked about today over at techsnap.systems slash 394. While you're there, you can also find our contact page, which makes it easy to get in touch. We love your questions, feedback, and of course, your war stories. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this show. There's a brand new episode featuring Jim next week. You don't want to miss it. While you're waiting, there's a ton of great other Jupiter Broadcasting content, though. Just head on over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Next week.